0: Hi, I'm Dan and I'm James and welcome to the Cornwall Property Podcast
1: where every week we bring you the latest news, hot topics and guidance around the Cornwall property market. Stay tuned to be informed, inspired and to have any of your property related questions answered by trusted local property professionals. Here we go episode 21 here we are back once again i am dan i'm james this is the
0: cornwall property podcast we're here to inform educate inspire you guys hopefully to get involved with property with
1: a particular emphasis on the cornwall property market so james how can people get in touch People can get in contact with us, which you all do. And thank you for all your lovely feedback and questions that you give us. But uh, yeah, best places to get us is on social media on Cornwall, um uh, Property Podcast. Or they can go to commonwallproprietypodcast.com. Go onto to our front page there, scroll all the way down. And they can drop us a message uh, on there as well. But they can also uh, drop us a message uh, on email on hello at com. Either way, you get in touch. We will always get back to you. And yeah, thank you for... Getting in contact with us it's what makes the show possible
0: for sure for sure and we've had lots of uh, new subscribers and likes and comments so thank you so so much for your support it really does help so we come to you weekly with the podcast, and this week is our market update. So this is the podcast where James and I will pick uh, a few property-related news articles and topics to share with you guys to keep you um, informed and, say, educated with what's going on in the market nationally and locally. And we've also then picked a couple of properties that have caught our eye in the Cornwall property market currently. So our aim, as we know, there's an issue with the um, housing crisis in Cornwall. There is not enough stock on the market for people. There are too many people needing homes, but not enough properties for them to move to. So we are trying to educate people in, and inspire them to get involved with properties to help bridge this gap between the number of people wanting properties and the actual number of properties available. So we identify empty, derelict properties that are on the market currently, which you guys could get involved with and and hopefully make yourself a bit of money, but also help solve and, and make a little dent in that um solving that crisis really
1: absolutely in essence we're just bringing back the uh housing to the cornwall uh market and you know making use of the opportunities that's out there, because there is plenty. That is the frustrating thing, isn't it, Dan? That there, sure. yeah, there is a housing crisis. However, there are houses that are available. We just need people to buy them. So hopefully it's, you know, us here inspiring you guys to, uh, you know, invest uh, here in Cornwall so that we can, uh, yeah, in, you know, decrease that uh, waiting list for the Cornwall housing market. For sure. And the cash isn't doing too much in the bank these days. So
0: Indeed. let me kick it off. So my first news article this week is looking at, I suppose it's nothing too out there and and too much of a shock but a fifth of homes currently sold within a week so basically on the market currently a fifth of the homes currently on the market are selling within a week so it's still hot out there and with this asking prices hit another record high and that is currently looking at now the average of three hundred and fifty-four thousand pounds wow so again i will say that one last time a fifth of homes are sold within a week of going on the market and this is from statistics from right move as well and the asking prices have hit another record high so more than a fifth of the homes being sold are not staying around for long enough and this is mainly from the right right move stats and the average asking price of homes newly listed has climbed for a further five thousand seven hundred pounds so that is just through the end of feb early march so These figures are very, very relevant um, where we are currently. So Rightmove has also reported that there are now more than twice as many buyers as there are sellers active in the market. So again, this is what is pushing that price up continually as well. There are a lot of people still needing properties and not enough properties on the market.
1: Wow. So, that's
0: yeah. Massive. Again, I don't think it's, it's, it's rocket science. I'm sure there's not going to be a massive surprise. But what I think is quite interesting is that it, it is still going up.
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
0: It's still going up. Um, early in the year, everyone was saying it's going to plateau. It's going to slow down. It's still going. It's crazy. But I think well, you got to look at what, what is the catalyst? What is the um, the driving factor here? It is supply and demand, simple and a lot of people are still needing property, and there's not enough on the market. So what happens then? What is on the market gets pushed up price-wise because more people are wanting to fight <laughs> for that price uh, and for that stock. So again, James, not really, not really too much of a surprise. As I mentioned, but it's, it's, I think, is interesting to see it still happening.
1: Yeah, and it's not just here in Cornwall that there's, uh, you know, so much demand for property. It's all over the country, and those figures continue to rise. I'm just interested to see how where we will be maybe we play some bets uh you know in december this year just because that inflation is still creeping we'll come on to this later but you know they're saying inflation might be at eight percent by the end of the year and you know cost of living just keeps going up so there is a knock-on effect with that it's the affordability with the mortgages although there's great rates and stuff just people you know when you're giving in your bank statements to the lenders and things like that they can see you've got less disposable income so in a way your risk to the the mortgage lenders you know you're a higher risk Mm. so will the demand keep going as you know lenders will they keep on lending i don't know it's going to be a very interesting time but you know we're even a you know, about three months ago, we were looking at, you know, with this plateau, but it's just there's no mercy in it, is there? It's just the demand is outweighing the supply. So it's driving the prices. So, yeah, interesting times. Exactly that. And an interesting one, topically as
0: well, kind of, well, a nice uh, link to what you've just mentioned there with the prices <coughs> and things going up. But the another article that I've been looking at, and this is from This Is Money. And again, all of the links to all of the articles that we reference and recommend. Um, mentioned in the podcast are all on the show notes so if you want to read a little bit more into them please go on the show notes and you'll find the links to the articles there so the next one is from this is money and what they're looking at here is how tenants could be the ones bearing the brunt of the new energy efficiency rules so half of landlords have already been saying that they're going to be passing on the ecofit recost uh, costs which are generally averaging nine thousand pounds and they're going to do this by upping the rent so what we know is landlords are now having to achieve uh, greater EPC ratings. So by 2025, landlords really should be needing to achieve an EPC of a C on their properties. Now, it's not just as easy as just changing the paperwork. You've got to do potentially quite a bit of work, especially on these older properties where you're limited to where you can add the value with regards to EPC and energy efficiency wise. So these older properties are needed to place things like windows, external insulation. It's a very costly measure to get these figures up. And the idea is that by increasing the EPC and the energy performance of a property, it means you're using less energy to maintain the heat or to reheat the property. So if I give you an example of James's house has got no insulation, or very li- it's a very old property, very little insulation, single glazed windows. When he heats up the property, the heat is going to be lost far quicker than my newer more energy-efficient property. So therefore, James's energy bills are going to be far higher than my energy bills because I'm not having to reheat my home to to maintain a a temperature as much as James's. So the idea is that by encouraging James and basically penalising James if he doesn't, get his property up to the right standards, it's going to mean that James is then going to have to put a lot of money into his property to increase, upgrade the insulation, upgrade the windows, for example, and maybe the heating system too. But you've got to chuck a lot of money at it to get your EPC and energy efficiency up. But the idea is then that you're less, you're, you're having less of a demand on the national grid and energy sources, essentially. <clears throat> so the cost of living is going to lower in that perspective. But there's a lot of cost involved in that. So on average, we're looking at about £9,000. Landlords are potentially, in general, Homeowners are going to have Mm. to pay for this sort of works. So, who's going to be footing the bill for that? Well, realistically, a lot of the landlords uh, are saying they're going to have to pass it on to the tenants in terms of um, increasing the Um, rents. And I, I could kind of, I feel both sides really. Again, I see for the landlord's sake, well, yeah, they're going to be out of pocket quite considerably there. But I also feel for the tenants as well because again, discretionary income, disposable income is going to be be hammered again because they're not only their energy bills going up, but their rents going to be going up too. So. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, it's uh, again as we've discussed that you know with the the, the energy bills. Uh, so you've got on one side you know as a landlord uh we have a duty of care for the tenants we have uh you know we, we do take an element of li- a risk as landlords you know with property and as new rules and re- legislation comes in you know we, we have to play the game so we we are going to have to spend dip into our pockets and do that if we don't we get penalised for it even if we do get think well I'm not going to upgrade it and I'm going to get penalised I'm going to have to pay for that but then the tenants might sort of be thinking well it's going to cost more to heat it's going to cost more to run then you know I'm not going to go for that property I'm going to for another one that's maybe an EPC rating of uh, you know a B, where it's going to, I just know because. The cost of running this thing is going to, you know, I'm going to have more money in my bank at the end of the month. They might, the landlord could be, you know, doubly attacked with it. But, you know, as I say, you know, it's that there is an element of risk as a landlord, and I think they're just going to have to dip into their pockets and uh, do that. But on the flip side of that, are they increasing value to the property because they've now bought the EPC up? You know, so when they're selling houses, if you can say, well, look, I've got an EPC rating of a B, you know, that you're going to get an extra two to ten percent maybe on on the sale price because it's like that's it's Mm. more attractive for a buy to let. uh, because they're going to rent it out, either. So it's, yeah, uh, I, I get it. As I always say in these podcasts, you know, we we are trying to be more greener especially in Cornwall it's a very green county but yeah it's going to cost somebody a lot of money there's no doubt about that uh, and it's costing people enough money as it is with you know inflation and energy bill prices currently but yeah it's a very unknown market sure for sure James what have you got for us Yeah I've got a few um bits and pieces uh, for us here so my first uh, headline uh, is definitely on the financials I could not put it in here really because it's uh, you know it's a big one and this was uh, you know released on the uh, BBC and many other places as well As Dan said, uh, you've got all the links that are on our uh, pages here for you to look at. But my first one on here was interest rates have increased for the third time. Yes, that's right. The third time in four months as the Bank of England tries to calm the uh, rise in the cost of living. And just some uh, bits to recap on figures here. The rise from 0.5% to 0.75% mid-March means rates are now at their highest level since March uh, 2020 when COVID uh, lockdown uh, began. So, you know, that's, that's quite a big jump into a short period of time there. And also, as we've already discussed, energy bills and food costs are increasing and there is concern the war in U- uh, Ukraine will push prices up further. The bank has warned inflation, the rate at which prices rise, may reach 8%, possibly even higher in the coming months. So it's a very difficult time. And I know we keep saying this, and I'm just going to try and not put it in the podcast with uh, rates. But, you know, since uh, a couple of weeks ago, we have already, or three weeks ago, actually, today, we've had you know a rate rise. And it's just like... What do you think, that Do you think it's going to keep rising? We said last time, surely they can't have another one in the next uh, few uh, months. Forget few months, they've done it again in the last few weeks, but I don't think they could have anticipated the cost of living uh, and the war hasn't helped over in no. Ukraine, has it? No,
0: no, no, no. I feel that the war and everything like that, a lot of people use this as an excuse as well. Mm. The, for, for example, a completely kind of, as a byproduct. but for example, our window supplier, our window supplier is saying there's delays and the reason there were originally delays is because of COVID. Okay, so COVID, COVID's COVID's still about, but it's gone. And so the excuse now is why? Why have we still got delays? Well, it's because of the Ukraine, war in Ukraine. So it's kind of like just giving excuses for excuses. But no, there's a lot going on in the world, and there's a lot we I I'm pretty sure we don't know about as well. But mm. um, it's only one way. It's not going down. It's not going down. It's only going to go up even more. I fear.
1: Um. no absolutely and when you're just looking at you know the uh, the cost of energy price a big one in cornwall uh is uh you know a lot of houses are on oil old cottages you know many many people don't have gas on the main roads or, or whatever and they, they're they on oil and it, it's funny we look at uh, the, the highest level uh since march 2020 i remember with some of my properties that i've got that are on oil uh, there my tenants uh, were paying about 32 to 36p uh, and that was because at the time we we're in lockdown nobody was driving so the demand for fuel uh, for cars went down so the fuel price dropped um and the oil price dropped but you've got now we're looking in some cases the oil is twenty five per litre which is crazy you know yeah. tanks were costing you know two three hundred pounds now they're costing you know nearly 800 to a thousand pounds you know and that is that's massive for people because their wages haven't gone up has it oh, yes, so it? it's going to be very interesting times ahead um, you know and to see you know whether that oil price does you know go down I, I don't think it will what do you think Dan? Yeah, I agree
0: I agree no I can't see it going down It's it's if hopefully they can cap it where they are but having spoken to a few energy providers as well um because we've been trying to switch and trying to get better fixed tariffs and things like that they're predicting another increase in october time
1: yeah and they are preparing people for that so yeah it's going to be yeah interesting to see whether we do hit that eight percent figure uh on inflation or even more scarily is it going to you know top that eight percent but uh we shall watch this space and give you all the updates as and when they happen so that's that one Moving on, uh, away from the financials, I also found a another uh, article on mortgagestrategy.co.uk. Uh, uh, Again, the link is available on all of our bits here, as I say. But it was here, government to name and shame uh, failing landlords, which I thought was quite interesting. The UK government has announced it will name and shame failing social housing providers as it steps up support and standards for social housing tenants, which... In my view, first comments on that, I think, is, is quite a good thing. You know, I we're both landlords, aren't we, Dan? And it's often you get a bad name from the rogue landlords that are out there that don't look after people and they're not really interested in their duty of care uh, for tenants. So I think we've this is long overdue, uh, in my opinion. Moving on, uh, the reforms set out in social housing white paper aim to regulate landlords and hold them to account for homes and services they deliver. As part of the reforms, any landlords providing substandard housing conditions will be publicly criticised on the government's website and on social media channels. Minister for Social Housing Eddie Hughes says everyone in this country deserves to live in a safe and decent decent home rightly so it is unacceptable that anyone should have mold covering their walls risk slipping on wet floor or have water dripping from the ceiling and you know I, I think absolutely right i i personally agree with all of those comments if you're going to be making money as a landlord you need to you know deliver a safe environment for people to live in uh, and that's you know pretty much <laughs> that's bottom line isn't it dan what do you think i definitely agree but i think there is
0: an issue here in that Okay, right, Sado Now, I, I read an article not so long ago, and I think it was a hundred. There was a hundred. There was a hundred. There or there is hundred and sixty-eight laws or slash legislations that landlords have to abide adhere to to legally and safely let out a property. So, one hundred and sixty-eight rules and regulations that we have to, to to adhere to. So, okay, it's all well and good. Who pleases that?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: it's all well and good having these in place, but who actually enforces this and pleases it so it's all well and good yet yeah, we'll name and shame you but how are they going to get around to all these places and actually get hold of it i guess you just literally all you are relying on is the is a is the tenant isn't it to to give this information and i suppose it's it's a quite a big thing to name and shame a lot la- uh, i suppose the social housing providers to the big organizations but if it got down to the the smaller landlords perhaps like ourselves private um, sector private sector landlords which i know they're also trying to do a register for as well there's talk about but it's, it's a case of, well, there's, there's always two sides to, a, to an argument, isn't there? Mm. Um, but I think if there's evidence in place, and uh, mould growth and coverings again, I think a lot of it sometimes comes to encourage, um, it's, to education as well, because some people would say, well, look, I've got mould, but yeah, you're not opening your windows. You're not opening your windows. You need to understand how and why this happens. So I think there is definitely uh, two sides to, to every coin, but I think it's, by all means, if, if they're legitimately poor standard and they're not safe, damn damn right tell them about it because they need to kick up the backside and get this sorted because it's given landlords like ourselves a bad name um if on the private side of things Mm. we're trying to do everything by the book as best as we possibly can but the irony is the ones that aren't following these 168 legislations and rules but they're still getting away with it nothing's happening
1: no (laughs) absolutely i think there needs to be some form of regulation but i think you make a very valid point there, Dan. like how do they you know police that on that scale i think being realistic, you know, and we always have to be realistic with this type of thing that they're not going to be able to police it efficiently. But what they could do is if we break it down into, uh, I don't know, driving, for example, we all know uh, that everybody once in a while will go over 30 miles an hour uh, in a 30 mile an hour speed limit. I'm not saying I'm recommending doing that, but, you know, let's. the reality is you see it every day. People do do more than that. Now, they haven't got a police car on every single road in the whole country policing that. But what we do know is that there are police out there, unmarked cars, etc. So there's a bit of a threat that you may get caught. goes a bit further than that we've got speed cameras that type of stuff but when you look at it in the housing sector maybe they could have you may run the risk of having an on the spot fine bit like you do with your accounts you know every one in a thousand or or whatever they will but if landlords know that that is out there it could be them and anybody could just turn up at their door and do an inspection it might be a good way of being a bit of a deterrent that you know landlords do bring their properties up to standard but you know i know it's not maybe an amazing way but it is a way that might you know get uh, landlords to bring up the standards because they may get caught out and if they put a big tariff of fines they just think oh it's just not worth getting caught let's just bring the standards up which they should be doing anyway i i get really passionate about it just because obviously you and i dan we're you know proper professional landlords and it's you know it's quite easy it's, it's a given that we do that but there are so many out there that want to make bigger margins but have less of a you know duty of care for their tenants and that's not the way it should be so it's good that they are thinking along these lines and i hope that the rules get tougher i really do
0: yeah and, and that they can keep up to it and make it fair Absolutely. Sure. Well, those are um, the news articles that we've picked up on. So the the final part of the show is going to be where we identify two properties that we have found on the Cornish market currently. um, I... Dan have found a commercial property, which um, I think it was currently empty. It's got potential to be turned into a residential property. And then James has got a residential property that he'd like to share too. So again, the links to these properties are on the show notes. So, If you want to have a look under yourselves, you're most welcome. But if you're watching on YouTube, obviously you can have the pleasure of of seeing them in, in real time. So I'm going to now switch over to the commercial property that I have Uh, listed so this is a stunning old former methodist church now it's in maxworthy which is Launceston, and again it is beautiful so if you can see on youtube here or if you're not if you're going to look on the link just float through the the images here you can see it's a beautiful building here a lot of airy space as well and you we've all seen now i'm very very sure that we've seen some beautiful chapel methodist churches and sort of conversions that can be done the one that really excites me is just when you, you look at the sheer volume of space in this. So mezzanine floors could go in. It goes actually over, a, um, backs onto a hill as well. So you could get a, some extra floor space um, on the lower areas as well. But again, great opportunity, lots of work to be done. Um, you've got some very quiet neighbours. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But this is a guide price, 125000 it is, as I say, it's, it's very close to Widmouth Bay, which is a beautiful area, especially for the, the surf and the, um, and for holidaying as well. And it's just a lovely, quiet, rural setting, which is, as it says here, but not far from location wise, it's not too far off the beaten track. It's, it could be a lovely little, little purchase, really. And again, it's just something that could <coughs> be
1: brought to the, the residential market. Absolutely, you know, churches and Methodist churches, all that this type of stuff, uh, they do come on quite often in Cornwall and yeah, definitely you're going to need to spend some money on this, but what I do like about these buildings is that you just get the space, don't you? If you look at the shell and you just mm-hmm. see all that sort of dead space in the middle. I mean, obviously once upon a time it, you know, served a purpose, uh, a place of worship and uh, you know, now it's for sale, you can definitely get, you know, quite a few rooms in that property, I think. Again, my my head just goes I'm seeing more more beds for people to stay that are on that waiting list so yeah they do pose good opportunity i feel
0: definitely so this is marketed by scott parry associates and the details again on the link so an interesting one here methods of sale the property is offered for sale by informal tender the highest or any bid not necessarily accepted so they're just saying look, it's you've got to put your bids in and the closing date for tenders are always well, going to be wednesday the 4th of may so if you're interested in having a little look obviously get yourself a viewing scott parry associates and um yeah you need to do your numbers and make
1: sure you're in there by the 4th of may very nice. And I've got the uh, residential property uh, for this week. Uh, this property here is on Park View in Liscard. It's being listed uh, by a company called Trow Bridges uh, that are also based in Liscard as well. And this is a, a good size three bed mid terrace house. Uh, it's definitely in need of some renovation, but I wouldn't say it's too extensive. It's got a really good feature there, which is gas central heating. It's got off-road parking so it's ticking some boxes here Mm, and it's also got a good um size rear garden uh as well so i definitely think this would be a really good uh investment um it's not too heavy on the refurb as i say and would make a a really good family home any thoughts that you've got on this one dan
0: yeah for sure again it comes um, (coughs) excuse me it comes a lot of land as well to be fair the garden goes on doesn't it um, it would be interesting to see if many, I'm just trying to look on the garden pictures now, if there's any next door. No, you can't really see if any neighbours have done any extensions or anything like that really has sent presidents on that side of things. But uh, the best thing to do there is either go visit the property yourself, have a little look or to go on um, Google Earth and you can walk. The, the streets locally and you can actually see there or just trying to zoom in in certain areas on google maps on the satellite views but yeah you get a good idea and just if others have added some value there but no it's like a, a nice three bed again price uh, list guard launched in areas the prices aren't massively high in those areas either so again you can get probably a good good yield for yourself too but uh yeah no nice property there could could definitely
1: be a nice family home just yeah. Not too much work either, really. No, Definitely. I saw other three beds uh, that were sold sort of in 2016 around the sort of 179 mark. Bear in mind that was 2016 mm. and now we're in uh, 2022 and the market has changed somewhat significantly since then. I think there could be money to be had here in terms of what you need to, uh, you know, spend on it. So, yeah, quite a nice little um, refurb there, I definitely. reckon. Well, so. It's already got the
0: double glaze, it's already got gas. So, you no, know, it could be a nice little... Um, under there, for someone if they wanted to to jump on that. So, well, that is it for today's podcast. Thank you so much if you are still with us. And uh, again, any thoughts, any questions, please you are most welcome <coughs> to get in touch, and we'd love to hear from you. But um, as I say, if you do want to get in touch,
1: James, they can yep. do that. Many ways, email hello at com. They can go online to com. go onto our website and onto the front page there. They can go right down to the bottom, send us a message. And also, of course, as we always say, you can reach us on social media, uh, especially on Facebook, uh, where many of you do uh, make lots of nice comments. And uh, as always, thank you very much for your support and making this podcast possible. So thank you very much
0: definitely definitely so so next week we're going to be back with the ask dan and james which is where you get your questions into us and we help try and answer them as best we possibly can but uh, that is it for today's show thank you it's a goodbye from me goodbye from me james and uh, yeah until next time